Welcome to the FemiPod. These are conversations about females for everyone to listen to, learn from and engage with. Brought to you by your Femi founders, Esther Kewen and myself, Lydia O'Donnell. Welcome back to the FemiPod for episode number 51. I am, of course, joined by Esther and this week's guest, who is a total badass. Akana Murray Bartlett is currently on an ambitious 6,200-kilometre journey in Australia, running from Cape York to Melbourne, covering a marathon a day for five months straight, 155 marathons in total. She is not only trying to raise awareness for wildlife diversity loss and aiming to educate Aussies on the benefits of getting outside to enjoy the outdoors, She's also breaking a Guinness World Record along the way. We are so excited to talk to the absolutely inspiring Akana and share her amazing feats and encourage you all to get around her. Akana, welcome to the pod. Well, thanks for having me. What an absolute honour to be here. It feels pretty exciting. We're lucky to have you here and, and hear about your journey. But firstly, you're on day number 96 today, which is incredible. How are you feeling? I'm feeling Good. I won't say great. I usually say great, but no, I've got a bit of a um, a bit of a right uh, quad strain at the moment. Um, and it's funny; it doesn't bother me when I'm running, which is a relief. But the second I stop, it just it immediately goes and seizes up. It. So yeah, I'm kind of half massaging it right now, half talking to you. But um, other than that, my my I guess mental strength and happiness is all there. I feel very positive. I feel very motivated and inspired. Um, it's just about now making sure my body makes it to the finish line. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's honestly so crazy, uh, what you're doing and so, so inspiring, but can you tell us a little bit more about your story? Like, did you grow up running? Have you always been chasing crazy challenges? I have. Yeah. I've always loved to just climb the highest mountain. And I was get to the summit of things and yeah I remember even on a Christmas holiday once at Norfolk Island I tried to run the entire perimeter of the island which took three days and you know when I should have been just hanging out with my family um my family are lovely I wasn't trying to avoid them it was more the challenge um but no yeah I I, I've always kind of I guess aimed for these crazy uh I guess endurance events whether they be on a bike or on foot and this particular one has always been in the back of my mind but it's it's such it's always such a big thing that I never really said yes and it wasn't till sort of COVID closed the borders and took away all our other distractions and made you kind of rethink I guess we all had that kind of self-re-evaluation and I thought no I, I mean I'm 31 years old at the time this is the time to do it if I don't do it now I'll, I'll never do it and um yeah, I, I had 10 years of, of athletics behind me and, and road racing and marathon running. And I thought, all right, I'm fit. I'm never going to be fit out. Let's, let's do it. Insane. It's such a cool idea. And it's honestly, yeah, like Lid said, so inspiring. Uh, you inspire me to want to do some crazy things as well. But how long ago has this idea been in your head? You said it's been there for a while. And then uh, how long did you start planning in advance? Planning took so much more effort than I could have ever imagined. Um, I'm a bit of a run and gun kind of person. I don't usually, I'm the one that rocks up to the holiday and, and hasn't looked at where it is or what's around or just rocks up and goes with the flow. So planning this took a lot, I'll be honest with you. Um, I probably would have 
agreed on the idea in my own head or said, yes, let's make this happen, put it out into the universe, started telling people about it. Uh, probably in um, oh, December or November, December of, of 2020. And I left on August of, of 2022. So yeah, about 18 months in the planning. Um, that included making sure we had, you know, transport and accommodation because, you know, it's pretty rough up in the Cape. So we had to have an off-road camper trailer. I had to make sure I, I could, you know, work out what the budget would be, set the budget, find sponsorship where possible, um, fundraise, work out the logistics of, of, you know, quitting your job. Like there was so much in the background that went on, um, you know, finding more sponsorship, working out nutrition that worked for endurance events. And so, yeah, by the time we, and then just camping gear, you know, buying all the stuff to camp every single day and yeah, all of that stuff. It's, so it took probably yeah, 18 months, but not full time, 18 months while I was also working. Wow. And so what were you actually doing for work before you started on this crazy journey? I was running um, a, a, an importing, exporting food kind of supply chain. So bringing in organic and natural foods from around the world and um, yeah, selling them to, to food service manufacturers, um, retail. So we were really busy in COVID because everybody needed food in lockdown and they couldn't get it themselves. So food, you know, it became super, super busy. Um, so yeah, I had a pretty... I think the year leading into this event was was pretty rough. Um, so even though it feels stressful out here sometimes, it was it's just a different kind of stressful. Yeah, well, I'm so intrigued. I have so many questions about like the logistics. Do you have a team with you? I do and I don't. So I have my partner who is um if anyone's following on socials, he's the one that does all the reels. I try and give him as much credit because he always likes to hide behind that. But um, he's he's a videographer, so that definitely helps um, from capturing the beauty of Australia and the beauty of what we're doing. And, you know, so I have him and he's the one that sets up the camper every day and helps cook and helps book the campsite the next day. Um, I have a lot of people that run with me. I haven't had a solo day's running in a while now, particularly now that I'm in and around a bit more civilization. Um, people have fly, flown in and flown out to support running. So that's been really humbling. Um, I actually had my mum and dad for the first four weeks in that Cape section because I don't know anything about cars or four driving or mechanics and there's no reception up there and it's very technical on the roads. So my dad came purely just to ensure that we could get out of the Cape because he, he trusted me, he just didn't trust the car. <laughs> Oh my gosh, crazy. Yeah. I mean, we come from New Zealand where you're not too far from people anywhere in the country. But when you think about how big and vast Australia is, it must be pretty scary being in those places where you're pretty disconnected from like, you know, society. Absolutely. I got a calf injury and it wasn't severe. It could have been helped with physio when I was in can't remember where, but I was three days from the, the closest physio. Three days driving. I thought that's crazy. It took us. So I, yeah, I ha, I remember we had to blaze through the Dane tree, which I was really excited to spend time in because yeah, I had to, had to get the calf treated. Um, but yeah, just, just if anything went wrong and things did go wrong, you can't call anyone. You can't rendezvous because there's no phone reception. So you always have to make sure whatever the plan is that you, everyone does their best to stick to it because you know, if, if a support car is not where they say they will be because they just they, they change the plans for their own reason. It can go very quickly, hairy, um, we learnt. 
Yeah, wow. And so can we talk about the training? Like, did you train for this event? What sort of training were you doing? Like, is there any way you can actually prepare for what you've taken on? It's a good question. And, and I didn't have a lot of people to ask about how to train for this. I, I actually ran less. So I stopped doing three speed sessions a week in a long run and actually focused on doing one speed session a week, two long runs and more in the gym. So my focus was to put on five kilos or six kilos even from my kind of normal racing weight and focus on strength and and injury prevention than say running. Um, I guess coming from just a lifetime of running, I trusted myself that that would be okay. And instead I focused on core strength, I guess stabilizer strength, knowing I was about to do three weeks of corrugated roads, um, single leg strength, mobility, and yeah, just making sure I was a bit, I was healthy. I got all my blood tests done to make sure I wasn't deficient in anything and mostly looked at a holistic health more than say running fitness. So interesting. It's yeah, it's, it's cool that you focus more so on strength. Like you said, you back yourself in the running, but doing that much volume over so many days, injuries are probably going to pop up. So yeah, it's cool to hear that you've made it this far. And uh, are you dealing with any other sort of ongoing things? Everything comes up and goes. I've had, yeah, tips. So I, when I got my calf injury, I changed my running style to to, to, to absorb the pain and then got a tib ant injury because it was overused. And then it moved to, you know, it moved, they move around. And when they do, I, I get treatment if I can, if I can't. Um, I often, I, yeah, I mean, I often can get treatment. Sometimes it's just a couple of days away. Um, and I'm doing a lot of self-massage, a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of foam rolling and yoga when I can. The issue with yoga is because you're camping and you let you lay you lay your yoga mat down, and the second you'll go into say a downward dog, every single midgie and mozzie in the in the nearby hundred meters comes and runs you down, and and you just get bitten to the absolute, you know. So it's not as actually peaceful to stretch as it would be in any other home. <laughs> so I'm I would like to be stretching more, but yeah, it's 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 it hurts. <laughs> I can imagine. I think that's you know New Zealand. There's not that much out there, <laughs> but Aussies a whole different, whole different ball game. And let's talk about that a little bit more. Like you're running, also obviously you've got a real strong passion for running. But another one of your passions is Aussie wildlife and wildlife in general. So you're running to stop the extinction of Australian animals. Why are you so passionate about wildlife, and and where did that all start? I've always been passionate about wildlife. It, if even from being, you know, a young girl, if you said what what's important to you, I would have said national parks and being outside. Um, and that always has me meant a lot to me. I grew up in the Yarra Valley, which you know has similar vibes to New Zealand, where it's just rolling valleys and rivers and really beautiful kind of national parks. And that's where I ran. And you know, I feel like trail running and hiking is synonymous with national parks and just having that those wild places to be wild and um yeah I mean they're getting few and far between and the more research you do the more kind of terrifying it is of what's going on and yeah I mean I'm I'm running a world record to counteract another world record which is that Australia is one of the world leaders in biodiversity loss and you know it's not it's it's just it's not great and it's not something we should be proud of and yeah I think you know, I've got this incredible medium, which is running to share a story. And if if people just knew about the severity of it, they'd be aware that there'd be more conversations, there'd be more kind of, people would ask questions, you know, what can I do to to help do my bit to, to protect these native animals? And there's lots of things you can do. You can plant trees in your backyard that are native, that support these wildlife. You can 
volunteer your time at tree planting or many volunteer run organizations clean up you know there's there's so many things you can do but if people aren't aware there's an issue that needs addressing then we'll just continue to go on and, and our species will continue to decline and then you know our children and our children's children won't have they won't know what a koala is which is you know crazy to think mm. I think it is um it's a beautiful thing what running and trail running in particular and hiking can do for your relationship with nature and the environment and the animals that live in it. I think mm. off, I know pe- any people that are closer to nature than the trail runners I know. They, I mean, I, essentially it is their playground and you have to protect your playground. And I think it's pretty cool, like the relationship that you obviously have with the environment, with wildlife and uh, our head trail coach Lucy definitely is the same as you and um, I think it's awesome to see kind of that connection that you guys have with the environment it's super inspiring absolutely and it's you know there's a selfish aspect too I mean the the wild like wild places are my my place to unwind they're my place to reconnect to forget about you know sometimes the stressful because we, we run at a million miles an hour these days and it's just a really good place to to understand that the most important thing is sometimes just shelter, food and water. And it just takes you back to the basics and everything else just seems to fade away. And uh, yeah, so, you know, there's that selfish component of being like, yes, I I also need national parks for me. (laughs) Not that that's the re that's not my ultimate cause, but it's definitely a component. I think if everyone had more access to the outdoors, you know, it would be more physically active. We would have a greater connection with, with nature and with the the animals that we coexist with and also just yeah for our own mental health I think it's really important yeah definitely and and just a quick one for me because I really love snakes and I'm obsessed kind of obsessed (laughs) with them uh but they can also like you know stay away but I do love them um (laughs) have you seen many uh snakes or what type of wildlife have you seen there when you've been when you've been running I've seen so many snakes. I've seen so many death adders and things that, you know, I've seen, I've seen bull sharks. I've seen crocodiles. I I didn't see a cassowary, which was one of the ones I was hoping to see. I ran down the cassowary coast and didn't see one. They are endangered. That could be why. But snakes, I have a really good relationship with too, Esther. I'm not scared of them per se. In fact, one of the things I'm doing out here is uh, going to lots of schools and, and almost educating everyone on first aid and what to do if you see these, you know, venomous creatures because we should foster an appreciation for them and coexist, not not have this kind of fear-hate relationship. Um, I mean, yeah, you've got to be careful. I carry a snake kit with me everywhere I go because – and and yeah, phone because if anything went wrong, it it would end the end the trip for sure. Um, but I've seen pythons, I've seen brown snakes. You know, I was even in the water and the, like the marine stingers up here. You can't even. The most annoying thing about the far north Queensland is it's probably the most beautiful place on earth. No joke. The beaches are stunning. They go for miles. They're white. If you touch, and it's hot, it's like 35 degrees every single day. But if you touch the water, there's crocs, marine stingers, sharks. Like you can't go in the water. It's it's literally the worst. <laughs> <laughs> so frustrating. The hottest point and you're not allowed in the water. Not good. Yeah. And the beauty is beautiful. It's like crystal clear. You're like, oh, I'll see it. But they just sort of like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's too unsafe. So very different to Melbourne where you, you can go in the water. It's too, you know, too freezing to do it. I also love that you are spending time educating communities is that correct you're going around and educating about wildlife yeah absolutely so I'm doing two things I'm educating people on 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 wildlife and the the issues at hand but I'm also I guess being invited into wildlife um, 
organizations and volunteer run programs, grassroots programs, and they're sharing their story with me. Um, so it's a bit of a give and take. I'm learning probably more than I'm, I'm, I'm sharing, but then when the more that I learn, the more that I can share forward. So, um, yeah, it's been a really good give and take. Definitely. Um, even here in Byron Bay tomorrow, I'm meeting up with the Byron Bay wildlife. Um, they've got this big portable, I guess, what would it be like a van? They go around, they say wildlife, they're like renegade wildlife. They're real cool. Um, so they're going to show me through their, their setup tomorrow. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely learning a lot. And if I have a, a platform to be able to share their story and get even local support behind what they're doing, then that's a big win for me. So amazing. I think for people like yourself who are just like so selfless in their approach to their body, you're ultimately set sacrificing your health to raise awareness and money for much needed causes it's so inspiring but how how is your mental health going like what keeps you going especially on those days where you wake up and don't feel like running mm, there's been plenty of those um particularly when it's pissing down with rain you're like oh I have put so much into this and I have so many people that have done you know gone above and beyond to help me that I almost am not doing it for me anymore. I I would feel, you know, I'm doing it for everyone that's, you know, quit their job or come running or like flown from Melbourne or donated or has, you know, spent their entire couple of weeks helping me with, you know, marketing and connecting with people and networking. I don't know. I feel like there's so many people in this. It's just not me. It's a team. And I just need to do my little bit, which is run and, you know, and, and if I do that, it'll all, it'll all work out. And I guess then in that sense, if a marathon feels big, but then I break it down into, all right, it's just four by 10.5 Ks. You can run 10.5 Ks, just get to 10.5. All right. You 20, 21. Okay, good. All right. 31 and a half. And you do it like that. And in my mind, I've got A, B and C and A is run it, which I've been most able to do. B is walk run if I need which I've also done a fair bit of and C is walk and I haven't had to rely on C yet so if I have to I will but that's kind of the way I'm justifying it and if if, if I wake up and I absolutely can't do it I'll just start walking and I usually I usually kind of perk up in a couple of k's wow and do you have like things you say to yourself when you're in that like real pain state maybe coming to the end of the 40 42 point two k's that sort of gets you over the line i hate 40 to 42 like why isn't a marathon just 40 k's like it just feels so stupid to do and i have tactics more so than what i say to myself i will never run i'll never run back to camp with only like three k's to go because it's near on impossible to leave camp again i'll never so i've got these tactics where i'll make sure the last i almost overrun like i'll get to 42 point three when I'm back at camp just because I know that if I do something that'll make me want to stop I will so I definitely avoid that um I save kind of my favorite upbeat songs so when it gets really hard and I'll chuck so you know chuck something inspiring on um or like an adventure podcast or something that really kind of they talk about how much pain they're in and then I'm like oh that this isn't that hard I'm not like having to you know cut my arm off to get out of this awkward situation I'm not having to you know the hike through snow for 72 hours, no food. Like I'm just doing them and it kind of puts me in perspective and makes me realize that, yep, you can do it no matter what you can do it. And yeah, so I kind of have techniques more so than, than mantras. Um, if that, that makes sense. Yeah. I like how you make, um, 155 marathons back to back 
seem possible <laughs> because <laughs> when we read and heard about what you're doing you're like we're just questioning how is that possible like it's so crazy but you definitely make it feel like it's somewhat achievable which is um pretty cool it is it is achievable and i i've never done two marathons before this back to back so it's just about reframing the way you do it every single day you have to think of tomorrow so you can never empty the tank completely on a day you have to always make sure that you you're eating more than you think you should eat because it's not about today it's about tomorrow so it's almost like every single day is a preparation run in a sense so you overeat you overhydrate you do everything that you need to do for tomorrow you never I'm never really yeah thinking of today if only we could approach everything in life like that (laughs) think like get yourself the best possible position you can be today for tomorrow I feel like then we'd always be really looking after ourselves absolutely (laughs) you mentioned talking about like holistic training and taking a holistic approach to this challenge and hopefully everything you do in life at FEMI we were always talking about female physiology and menstrual health and holistic training and as, as part of that, we track our own cycles and adapt our training to our cycle. Is this something that you do? And have you found over this journey, your menstrual cycle has affected you or has there been any changes or are you kind of like unaware of it? Oh, no, definitely aware of it. I My energy levels in the three or four days in the lead up to, yeah, is, is I'm, I'm so flat. I'm so, I'm so, I just don't have any energy. I don't have any pop. Um, it's definitely something that, I, I can't really do too much about, I just know, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm calm on myself. I'm very, I'm very, I guess, gentle knowing why I'm feeling like that. And so on those days I'll be a bit more careful and I'll walk a little bit more and I'll eat very specific foods. Like I'll eat an iron rich diet, um, or I'll take a multivitamin or, you know, I'm, I, I'm very cognizant of it. Definitely. Um, I do find that with the amount of exercise I'm doing a day, I, I, have very very light periods almost non-existent um doesn't mean the effects of how i feel change i still get the full effect of how it feels i just get it's just a, a much lighter and i know that that's temporary and, and you know putting so much strain on, on a body definitely does that I've, I've had this kind of issue in the past so i am aware of why um and i and i am going to be very kind to my body after this and give myself a big amount of break for me i find um my health fluctuates a lot if i'm not eating the right foods or I'm not watching nutrition well enough. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, yeah, I guess counteracting as best I can with, with the right food in and around the lead up and, and just making sure I'm, I'm maintaining my, my weight, if not trying to almost stay a little bit on the heavier side, as hard as that is doing this much exercise to just, yeah, make sure my body's never in that kind of stress on top of a physical stress as well. Mm-hmm. Well, it's actually pretty amazing doing all that you're doing. You must be fueling your body pretty well to continue, you know, having your menstrual cycle. So I can't imagine how much you're eating a day. It must be. Oh, it's lots. Yeah. And I'm more, I'm more aware of it now. I guess I'm a bit older and wiser. Um, there's definitely been periods in my life when I've just been training to the ground and didn't, didn't get it for years, years at a time. And I think I know now that I can't risk injury. I know it just seems more important to me now to, and I, I guess I understand my body and there's so much more research into female athlete health, which wasn't there when I was first training. And, you know, those three factors combined, you just, you go in so much wiser and um, yeah, I feel very happy for the, for the girls coming through these days that have, you know, incredible mentors like both of you who, who, who help educate it and make, and make 
you know, mm-hmm. and more aware and just something that you're okay to talk about. Cause you know, when I was 16, it definitely wasn't something we were talking about. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We completely relate to that. And we went to this conference the other week and we were talking about something and Lids actually got up and said that she's excited about periods of menstrual cycle in a room full of people. So I feel like we're so used to saying those words and talking about these topics now, but we forget that some people still are uncomfortable, uh, but they need to catch up pretty quick and just start realizing it's completely normal and just talk about it. <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. And the beautiful thing is I've been listening to a lot of um, women led podcasts and it is becoming more uh, normal just, just in regular chit chat. I think when that filters over to all podcasts, it'd be a different story, but um, it's, yeah, it's definitely great. For sure. I I am sure you are well aware of Ned Brockman and the world watching him achieve a huge feat, but we both believe what you're doing is actually more impressive. Did Ned inspire you and have you spoken to him much about what you're doing? Yeah. So, so Ned um, was at Gold Coast Marathon with me. We both were in the three-hour pack, so we actually ran together. Um, it's the first time we connected before both of us had started. We were both doing our training run. Um, I think what Ned showed is that, you know, Australia loves endurance running and I, we, you didn't know that, you know, everybody got behind it and it was so incredible to see the world watch, um, such an incredible performance. And, um, Ned and I are very, very different people. You know, I, I very much, I have ran all my life. I've, I'm very polished in the way I approach like running and training and I, and I almost very much respect respect the distance I, I like make sure I'm I'm trained because I understand that one injury will derail me whereas Ned had this incredible mental grip that he grit that even though he got injured he just he just kind of plowed on through um which is a different strength in itself and he did an incredible thing raising 2.6 2.6 million dollars for homelessness so you, it's just absolutely incredible and yeah I mean it's 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 been really great because so many people are watching running now. So there's definitely this kind of wave, um, I guess, wave of, I guess, support behind such feats like this. So you definitely can't, um, can't, you know, you have to thank him for that. Definitely. And there's actually surprisingly a few people out here doing stuff like myself. So there's William Burnett. He's, he's four or three days away from, from getting into Sydney. And then Sean Bell did his incredible run from Cairns to, to Melbourne and um, Lockie Sparks did 222 consecutive marathons. And that's why I'm, it's really important that I'm out here because subconsciously being female, it just shows that you don't have to be male to do this. You can be a female and I'm not going to, I'm not promoting that. That's not one of the legs I'm standing on out here, but subconsciously watching, you know, six or seven powerful men do this as, as a young girl, you think, okay, that's, that's incredible feat. But if you see a female doing it, you connect even subconsciously so much more and it just eliminates any thought that gender plays a role in whether or not you'll do something um and I think just being that representation out here it feels important to me definitely Mm, it's so true and it's so inspiring to see you out there doing it amongst all those men and honestly I think you're doing something more impressive but the way that you've you've approached it and with your background and your training and your like knowledge around running I think it's definitely going to pay off um I I think think so okay we're also such a little team. It's just me and my partner and our budget's very low. Like we don't have the the big sponsorships that Ned was luckily, luckily enough to get. And, um, you know, he had a, 
not to discredit his run, his run was absolutely incredible, but he had a massive PR team um, and, you know, he had a lot of support and, you know, sometimes it's just me crying on my partner's shoulder while he cooks dinner and it's like, <laughs> so it's, yeah. we're a little, we're a little um, crew, but I think to be honest with you, that's what's making it so special is because I'm very much reliant on men members of the community being like, I can't come and run with us. We, we leave at five from this place. And I think I've met a lot of people that way. And I've made a lot of connections that way, which to me is, is one of the values that I, that I'm trying to take out of tip to toe. Yeah. That's so amazing. And just going back on that, that female position in this endurance sport, not that what um, I did was anything near what you were doing, but I ran um, LA to Vegas with a bunch of girls a few years ago and it was like 550k split up between us and you know it was a 35 hour run or something and amongst us you know a couple of girls in the team including myself had our period at the time one of the women were breastfeeding and so wow. I just think about like the, everything else you have to take into account as a female it does make these feats so much more impressive we're racing against men teams men, so yeah third overall um against the men and I'm just like if only they knew like we had to deal with changing our tampons you finding places to do that feeling uncomfortable like the worry of leakage like all of that stuff and then obviously breastfeeding is just a whole other thing um it's pretty cool to perceive females doing such cool things on the world stage just being like doesn't matter we have all these other things going on we can do yeah. this absolutely just this morning down here in um uh where am I Oh, I don't know. Cabba Beach. I went for a, a, a woman reached out last night and her name was Jules. And she said, Hey, um, I'd love to come for a section. And I met her this morning. Um, she had paddled from Newcastle to Noosa. So 1000 kilometers, 18 Ks off the coast, powerhouse woman. And yeah, when she rocked up, she had a, a two-year-old and a pram and she was 24 weeks pregnant. And so oh. I thought, yes, let's do this. So yeah, we did seven Ks together or maybe even more. And yeah, 24 weeks pregnant, had to stop and cool herself down so the baby didn't overheat. I was like, you're still out here doing these incredible things. You're carrying all this weight in your stomach and you're pushing a pram, you know, like that's the, I just was very inspired by that. It's amazing. So amazing. Just going back to Ned and like, we obviously touched on this and how much support he had. We want to tell your story and get it out as much as possible. What can people do to support you and your cause? Absolutely. So the key thing, I guess, is to, yeah, I guess follow along and, and share the story so people are aware it's happening. And in that, um, there is a link to the GoFundMe page where all the funds are going to uh, at-risk wildlife. So my partner charity is the Wilderness Society. They have two approaches to help because a lot of people ask, where is the money going? They have two approaches. They have a top-down approach where they campaign our government or our federal and state governments for protection of national parks. So the money directly stops mining through those national parks, forest uh, felling of trees. And then secondly, they have um, what I feel very close to is the Movement for Life. So it's a, it's a volunteer-run organisations across Australia that promote people volunteering and getting, um, you know, out and active and, and also um, doing really great things for, I guess, sustainability. They plant trees, they have events. Um, so those two, those two, I guess, components are where the money is going. So that's the best way to get behind tip to toe. Or if I am running through your town, come for a run or invite me to your group run or just, yeah, get in touch. And I would love to run. I try and get back to every single message that I'm sent. Um, might take, if I'm running, it might take a couple of hours, but yeah, I try and get back and just, just come for a run and say hi. What day is your final run and where should people come and see you finish? Well, if you're in Newcastle, 
on the 4th of December, that's where I break the record. My sponsor, Young Henry's, has um, gone behind my back so rudely and organised an amazing party uh, in Newcastle. So I'm going to put those uh, details on socials when they are available. But also I'm going to finish on the 16th of January um, in Port Melbourne. I don't have the final details yet because I'm not sure but I'm going to do two community runs uh, in the lead up to that in and around Melbourne uh, and the two days prior. So, yeah, it'll all be up there. So come for a run, 5Ks, 2Ks, 10Ks, the full 42. Yeah, that's the, it'll be in Melbourne though. <laughs> so cool. We'll definitely get our family run community in Melbourne to come along and join you. Can you just, before we wrap up, we've got two final questions for you. But before that, just give us a little bit of detail around this Guinness World Record. Like what is yep. the record? So the record has been beaten three times in the last two years. So when I first planned this, it was 94. It was held by an American amputee. Incredible effort. Um, she had she was raising money for prosthetics. Then it was beaten again at 100. Uh, and now it's now it's currently seeing at 106 in June um, by two English girls. So it's in the UK. Um, they've been really helpful to me, actually. They've been helping me make sure I have all my I's dotted and T's crossed and assuring I have the right data to, to break the record. And now, so at 106, what am I on? 96. I've got 10 to go. <laughs> so I need to run 107. Cool. Okay. And a certain amount of time. Oh, in a day. So every marathon I have to run, I have to run one marathon per day. So it's consecutive days. Got it. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And it has to be, so it has to be a sing, sing, single run. Um, so it has to be, it can't be 21 in the morning, 21 at night. It has to be continuous single run and it has to be done in a 24-hour period. Um, so they're the two kind of main, and it has to be outdoors. If I if I go on a treadmill, it's a, it's a different category of fish. So, um, yeah. And will you stop at 107 or will you keep going? Because it's 155, right, that you're going yeah, for? Yeah, yeah. I'll keep going because I want to make it hard to to catch not to say I won't support anyone that wants to break the record I'll give you all, I'm, I'm there to make sure that happens um but yeah I want to at least hold on to it for a little while <laughs> secure that record <laughs> all right we've got two final uh, quick fire questions for you the first one is uh what piece of advice would you tell your younger self say your 15 year old self think bigger I think I was so caught up in what everyone else expected me to do or wanted me to do that I forgot to forgot what I wanted to do. Um, and yeah, it took me until I turned 30 to do things for myself. So if I could go back in time, I would do more things for myself. I think I would have been a happier person and I would have been a more well-rounded person. Love that. And you're definitely thinking very big right now. And- yeah. <laughs> nailing that advice (laughs) yes last one is what is your purpose on mother earth hopefully to see mother earth around for a lot longer yeah sustainability to see mother earth be enjoyed for generations to come so incredible wow the world and the earth is very lucky to have you because you're definitely helping every step you take literally i hope (laughs) 
Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the FumiPod. We are so lucky to chat to you and really excited to get your story out to the world. For all those listening, we will be tagging Akana's Instagram and where to donate into the show notes. So go ahead and donate. We will definitely be donating as soon as we get off this call and um, go ahead and give Akana a follow because her story is incredible. And I think what she's doing is so, so amazing. So thank you so much for joining us. Esther and I will be back in your ears next week. Um, but in the meantime, thanks Akana. Nice to have you here, Esther. We'll, um, we'll chat to you all soon. Thank you so much. So good to be here. What? <laughs>